0: Welcome back to another episode of Talent Talk. Whatever your listening preference, you can find our feature interviews on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course on UNFOspreys.com. Don't miss our chats with student athletes, coaches, alumni, and Ospreys in the Pros. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back. We've been off for a little bit with Talent Talk. Uh, We're reaching out to another former Ospreys in the Pros, but now he's being on the other side of the ball, he's on the sidelines as the head coach. Um, he's taken over at Episcopal. Thanks for being on, Jay.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Brock. I'm excited.
0: Uh, I've talked to Alex before. I talked to Derek. Talked to a couple other people in the men's soccer community here at UNF. But uh, a lot of people know you over here uh, on this side of town. But just give an intro of yourself.
1: Okay. Well, born and raised in Jacksonville. Grew up. Went to RPDS for elementary school. Bowls in high middle school and high school. And then landed at UNF or not really even landed I just crossed crossed a couple roads and was in town and played four years took me like four and a half to graduate, and then uh, ended up in Charleston played there for three years and now I'm at Episcopal really happy.
0: So. Yeah, take us through kind of that process growing up and and playing soccer and what was what was your vision? Was your vision to to play Division 1 soccer all along or how did that path emerge for you?
1: You know, I think it, it's funny. I think um you know, I played a bunch of sports growing up, but soccer was always kind of the one that I was usually best at and I was really into it and playing over the summer, playing in different leagues with different teams. And so then maybe I didn't really even realize like What goals I could accomplish. I just knew that I liked playing, and I kept getting better. So I guess probably around high school age, I was like, maybe I have a chance to play Division One soccer, and so that was kind of then that was the goal in high school, like play Division One, and then got to Division One, and as soon as I got there, I was like, well, maybe I can play pro as well. So ended up making that a goal, and obviously uh, made it happen. And I'm super lucky I got to play three years in Charleston. I mean. What a, what a beautiful city to live in, and it's such a great club. I'm, yeah, just really grateful.
0: Yeah, a couple great cities to be in Jacksonville and Charleston Absolutely. Uh, out here on the Eastern Seaboard. For you looking at colleges, what was that selection process like? Was it, you know, UNF all, all along, or were there other schools or opportunities?
1: No, I mean, I kept it pretty open. Um, I will say, like, it's funny. One thing I say is growing up in Jacksonville before. Or like before Derek took over at UNF to be honest in my opinion I didn't like I didn't really like seek out going to UNF events I had never even been on campus mm-hmm. to be honest so when Derek kind of put this vision of where he wanted the program to go it it that was definitely one of the things that was like enticing about UNF to me is that I was like oh well I'm a hometown guy I could go there I knew I, I knew I had a good feeling that I was gonna was gonna play right away and and be successful in that, in that sense. But I still kept my recruiting open and I went on multiple different visits and uh, I just ended up really, I just, I just felt like UNF was the place for me and I mean, I'm pretty sure I made the right choice.
0: Yeah. You had, you guys had some great teams here that you were a part of and some special memories. Um, what was it like being in college in your hometown? Cause it's definitely a different experience.
1: Yeah. I think there's some pros and cons to that. Like, <laughs> You know, there's definitely things that are convenient. You're close to your family. You can see them. If you miss them, you can go 20-minute drive home, see them. Home-cooked meals, laundry if you need to. Uh, and, and it was fun being the hometown guy because you get to see a lot of familiar faces that come to games. And, and I still had friends that lived here. You know, cons, I guess. It, it Sometimes it almost feels a little bit like you're not in college. Yeah. You're, I don't know. It's like a high school like a little bit bigger level of high school almost, but, uh, but I think overall there's more pros than cons, but it's definitely not um, like my sister went to Ole Miss. So she was 12 hours away. You can't just come Mm -hmm. home and do laundry on the weekend. Like Mm -hmm. it's different, but Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, no regrets though. No regrets.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think that's, that's a fair assessment. A lot of people would probably say the same. And, you know, it's one thing to be in a small town in a very, you know, not very populated city and go to college there as well, which can be confining. But uh turned out, turned out well at UNF. Uh, speaking of those memories here, um, what was, you know, one that you look back on most fondly? And it could be, you know, as big as postseason play and, and championship time, or it can be, you know, just the mundane days. It's got to be that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think 2015 A-Sun championship mm-hmm. on on our home
1: turf, like, uh, I still think back on that, and I'm like, it just the way it worked out. We were the two seed going into the tournament, and I remember in the semifinal, we we had a penalty kick in an extra time. It was sudden death, and we scored that penalty, and we're all celebrating, and the guys from the bench had run on the field, and they were like, USC Upstate won, which meant that we were hosting the final, and we were like, Try not to get too excited, and but we all had – we were really confident. And then to be able to host and we beat them 7-0 and there were tons of fans and then, like, just, like, running over and celebrating with everyone, like, that's got to be the best memory. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, you can't beat that on your home turf in your hometown, and you guys annihilated them in the final. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You put up seven goals. I mean, what is what yeah. is that even real? That doesn't. I mean... know the fans are <laughs> fans
1: always want goals, right? We we delivered on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And that's going back to what you're describing there about uh, receiving the news that USC Upstate won one, that kind of puts you in a weird spot where the players on the field don't know something but the players off the field might know something. Cause you know how word gets around on the bench or in the dugout for its baseball or whatnot. And they know yeah. the buzz, but you don't, you're playing. And so oh, that's gotta be a weird thing to just be hit with that all at once.
1: Yeah. I think, I think if you're on the bench, you just kind of keep your mouth shut because yeah. <laughs> you don't want to like get overexcited and, and like, you're still focusing on the game and the, and the goal, like you don't get to play USC upstate if you lose this game.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, I had no clue. I had no clue until I think it was Aiden DeMello ran over and was like, looked me in the eyes and shook me. And he was like, USC upstate one. And I was like, I was kind of shocked because it was a big upset. They beat Florida Gulf Coast, which was huge.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You, in your mind, you're thinking you're going one way, one way. And you not only have a semifinal game, but they had final, a final game. Uh, why were you guys able to produce that year? Uh, why were you guys so successful and able to take home the championship?
1: That was you know the two prior years my first two years we had made it all the way to the final both those years and lost and I think we had so many returning guys that we all had that feeling like where we knew what it was like to go to two championships and lose so we were like extra motivated and we like I said we had a bunch of returning guys so we just had this good chemistry and I mean the, the coaches we started we started like different tactics and pressing higher up the field. I think the coaches were probably more confident in us too. And they knew they could throw more stuff at us as a team and we took it and ran with it. And I mean, we were, we were really good that year and it was, it was fun to play the way we played. It was really fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're in that situation too, you, you everything slows down once you've been in it one or two times previously. And it the, the moment doesn't get the, get as much of you as it might the first time. Um, and so exactly. and that's, that's part of the psychology Uh, of sport. So you had, you had that moment, you have your career at UNF. Uh, What's going through your mind as you're, as you're about to leave UNF what was on the table?
1: Well, you know, it's just wild how it all happened. Like I remember we were in like the ASUN tournament Well, even just that whole senior year. I like, I knew I was probably going to have some professional opportunities because I was just just from like talking to um, Derek and different coaches and I ended up getting hurt in that last game and it really made me take a step back because I knew I was going to be out for like probably five to six months. And so I took a step back and I ended up missing that, like that initial window of like when team signed players, because I was rehabbing, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. I, like I said, I still had, um, I still had to finish my degree and it took me like uh, probably another semester. So I, you know, like I said, it didn't work out the way I thought it was at first, but, um, I was able to get my degree, which ended up being awesome. And just like having that like safety net safety blanket. And, uh, but I, I did have to take a step back and, and think like, is this really something I want to do? Because if I do want to do it, then I'm gonna have to go through all the rehab. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to refocus and then get myself in shape to go on different trials, which I did. And it ended up working out. And so, like I said, it all happened and, and, uh, I ended up at Charleston. So super grateful for it
0: what's that process like for somebody like yourself trying to transition into professional soccer uh especially after an injury because i mean it's it's more of an unconventional thing you you get a professional uh baseball player let's say that is coming out of college obviously he can get drafted in the minor leagues but if he doesn't make he goes to indie ball and tries to go that route what's like what's that kind of how did that work and what did you have to do
1: yeah so um you know, obviously, first things first, I had to rehab and get myself healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And I ended up, I ended up playing in a summer league, like amateur level, and really like trying to get my feet back under me, which definitely helped. And then, and I still had a semester left. So it kind of worked out perfect, because the Armada was still they were pro and they were here. And so they let me go out there and train with them. I wasn't assigned player, I just trained with them. And that was huge for me because I started training with pros and getting that experience, but really Derek helped me out a lot. And he was, you know, using his contacts and trying to get me opportunities and we ended up getting an opportunity in in Charleston. So I went up there and trained for a couple of days with the, with the battery. And I guess I made a good impression because I ended up staying in contact with the coach up there and he told me, he was like, just go finish your degree and we'll sign you in December. And sure enough, like literally the day I graduated, he said, congrats. And he sent me like my first contract. It was pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. What what was your yeah. reaction at that moment?
1: Well, it was like, what a, what a great day. Like I get my diploma yeah. and then <laughs> I wasn't sure like what he meant that he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to sign you. We're going to sign you. And I literally get like an email and it's like, congratulations. And then it's like attached is your, like is, a uh, contract like a basic usl contract and so i had all my family already there to like celebrate my graduation and then i got to bring that news it was like great just a great day
0: yeah that's that it's not often you get those two momentous uh, events on the same day not many people can have that in life um so you get that opportunity it's you're ready to move on to the next level uh that first year in in usl play what was that transition like what did you have to learn that really hit you yeah that was tough um so i think one of the main things that i i really started learning was
1: that like positioning like where you are on the field and and just it's so much more important because in in high school and college you can maybe get away with some bad habits about like being out being out of position but you're faster than a lot of guys and you and you you can make up for with with Well, in the pros, there's just everyone's so much better, and if you're out of position, if you get caught out of position, you're probably going to get um, exposed, and so that was something I definitely had to learn about, like making sure I was always or most of the time in the right in the right spot, and then just your just your basic things like everyone's better, so you need to be sharper, you need to have like uh, just a better tech- technical game, and 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 then just understanding where you need to be and what you need to do, and so. And, and really the grind of it too the it's it's a nine month season and you're used to like pretty much a three month season. So God. trying to learn how to like take care of your body and get yourself able to like play game. Like sometimes we had three games in one week, which was tough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was probably the biggest part about the transition was that like where you are on the field positioning and then um, and then just the fitness aspect, you know.
0: What is the trick? What are the tricks of the trade for a professional soccer player to stay in condition? Well, it's funny. Like I, I played my first year, I was
1: very healthy and I played a lot. And then my last two years I had battled some injuries. Yeah. So I'm like not the expert on staying healthy, <laughs> but some of them were just, you know, some unlucky injuries that just happened. Mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, I've always been a big fan of eating healthy, um, obviously staying hydrated and then and then making sure that you're doing the proper things after training, like stretching and, and foam rolling and all, there's all sorts of things now that like those Norma boots and stuff like that. So just using your resources to make sure your body recovers and then you get it ready to go again the next day, because it's, it's a grind. It's every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how do you maintain focus at that level as well? Cause I'm sure it's, it's difficult to stay committed to the minutiae like that like foam rolling like stretching yeah like drinking enough water yeah. how do you maintain the focus
1: well i think for me it's like that's your job mm-hmm. and you're really only training for like an hour and a half to two hours every day and i only played i didn't have any other jobs and so mm-hmm. i was like i can foam roll or stretch for 15 20 30 minutes whatever it needs to be like that's part of the job and so, not a lot of people get to go work for two hours and then have the rest of the day to do whatever they want. Yeah. So if you do have some free time, you better be taking care of yourself. And I mean, there's still time to have fun and stuff like that. But uh, like just on a normal on a normal weekday, it's like, all right, you need to you need to do the right things. You have the you have the time to do it, so you need to use your time wisely.
0: What were uh, what were the lives of some of the other guys that you competed with? How did what other jobs or things did they have going on the side that was pretty common?
1: a lot of the guys that I played with also like coached. So we, we, we always trained in the mornings and then like they would probably coach in the afternoons. And some guys even let's think some guys had other jobs. One guy like valid cars because it was like something where he could do it. I mean, it, Mm -hmm. uh, it depended. I mean, some, I wasn't the only one that didn't work, but um, there were definitely a handful of guys that coached because it kind of just made sense with their schedule and everything. But, I just, for me, I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play and like focus on that. And,
0: um, so, yeah. So those are definitely formative years in your twenties right there. How did you grow, uh, professionally and personally when you're in Charleston?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like, you're on, that was like the first time I was really out of Jacksonville too. So I'm like, you're on your own. You can't just, like I said, it's no 20 minute drive back to mom's house to go do laundry so you're on your own, you're kind of just becoming your own person. And, um, you know, you're taking care, you have to take care of yourself. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're living on your own. And so I think you're just maturing and, and really trying to find like what you're passionate about and, and being a professional, I guess, just treating yourself like a professional. So I definitely grew in that aspect. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I still felt like I was a mature kid in college at times, (laughs) but I guess when you're on your own, it just forces you to kind of grow up even more. And I don't
0: know. Yeah. You got to start to manage doctor appointments. You got to start to manage your insurance cards, you know, all these other things that, you know, are like becoming a part of your life that are your day to day now. In addition to, I know like I had a
1: car, I had a car problem up in Charleston and I was like, (laughs) I had to call my mom, like, mom, what do I do? Yeah. She's like, you gotta go find a car place to fix yeah. your car. Like, I yeah. mean, what do you want? What else do you do? Can't drive it yeah. back to Jacksonville, it's not working right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, the problems are yours now, you know, mm-hmm. which is which yeah, is it. part of it. Uh so what's what's developing for you? Uh you know, do you start to glance at world outside of playing at that point? When did that kind of switch happen?
1: You know, because I had like I was telling you, I had several injuries and that's when you like when you're rehabbing and or like i because the one major one i had was i tore my achilles so i mean they had doctors were telling me you're looking at like a nine to 12 month recovery so you know that kind of gives you some time to think about like what am i going to do if if i'm not playing and i wasn't like focusing hard on that because i still felt like my mentality needed to be i want to come back and play so i don't want to like put too much emphasis on that
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I mean of course it's going to cross your mind and you know I didn't even know I still didn't know what I wanted to do like I obviously love soccer so I like in the back of my mind I was like mm, maybe maybe I'll go into coaching but even still I, I didn't know I wasn't I. the only thing I knew 100% that I wanted to do was get healthy and try to play again so that was like where my focus was well
0: and such a significant injury like an Achilles regardless if you're trying to return to play it it, it demands so much of your attention because it yeah. is such a significant uh injury to go through so you're you know, you're working through that uh new opportunity comes across in Jacksonville uh what was that period like how did that develop
1: you know it's funny uh I went to UNF had played a game last spring at Episcopal mm-hmm. and I ran into the athletic director and he he used to be the soccer coach at Episcopal when I was a player at Bulls, So we knew each other. And so I saw him, we caught up, we were just chatting. And, and at that point he said like, what are you going to do if like one, one soccer's done? And I said, I don't know, like, I'm still trying to play. And at that point I was really struggling I was like trying to get healthy, but my body was just kind of like saying, no, like you're too old. You can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, meeting with him several times and, um, he just, the opportunity came up and seriously, like never would have guessed that it would. And it was like such a good opportunity. I just like couldn't pass it up. And I got, I was like, I remember when he mentioned it to me, it kind of caught me off guard, but I was like, just excited about it. Like it, like just the thought of it. I, I kept like thinking, like immediately in my head, I was thinking, like, like what formation am I gonna run if I'm coaching this <laughs> team and stuff like that. So I knew I was excited about it, like deep down. But um yeah, I mean, just crazy how it happened. Like, of course, it was like a UNF game, and I go and it's at Episcopal and it just works out like that.
0: Yeah, a lot of events led UNF to be playing at Episcopal in the spring for sure. And I know the women and the men were both playing at Patton Park and yeah, just the whole um, COVID year with, with events in the spring led you to that opportunity. Uh, So did you end up getting a phone call, uh, interview process? How did that go down with Episcopal?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty unofficial.
0: Uh, we, we, at least like to start, I mean,
1: I went into the first, I guess you could say unofficial interview, not really knowing what to expect. And like I said, I, I knew the athletic director and so we were just, I thought it was weird to be chatting and it was pretty like Casual. he mentioned it he knew i was still trying to play he said well let's still see let's see what happens and um <clears throat> then it was just several more interviews from there from then on out and then when it got serious is when i like actually met with like the associate head of school and we talked about like what else could you do other than play so- uh, coach soccer so then eventually there was a formal offer and i had took a couple days and um i accepted it so it was it was cool i was excited he was excited and and then I got to tell all my buddies who went to Episcopal that I was moving over <laughs> making the jump over. So they were pumped too.
0: Yeah. Did, uh, any year of your bulls, uh, bulls friends give you any, uh, hard time about it? Oh yeah.
1: I definitely got a hard time all, all <laughs> like all in good fun, but, um, it probably surprised a lot of people because, you know, I was like the biggest bulls guy, like I'm bulls through and through. I went from seventh to senior year there. And then I was coaching ever since I graduated. So pretty much for like probably coaching there for six or seven years so just over a decade i spent at bowls and so there there are probably some surprise faces out there
0: <laughs> um and now yeah you're uh, you're on the other side against them so what's this month been like since i saw officially the offer in july a uh, little press release that they had go out yeah. what's going on in your mind uh you know immediately when you had that conversation at Episcopal initially you're thinking what formation am I going to run yeah. are those thoughts kind of racing through your mind as you prepare for it becoming a reality
1: yeah absolutely like it's just funny like now that I'm I'm the head coach and there's a lot more responsibilities and so there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff too that you like you know I've always been the assistant coach that doesn't really have to do these yeah. things so now I'm the head coach so I'm like all right I gotta count inventory like what <laughs> equipment do we have what uniforms do we have and then there's obviously the thought process about soccer, like, of course, you think about formations, but until you're actually seeing your team, it's hard to really like put those things together. But there's still definitely like, um, tactics that are in my brain and I'm actually writing some of them down to, and, and thinking about stuff like that, because I mean, the season's only like eight weeks away. So it's coming right.
0: up. Right. Uh, anybody anybody's brain that you're picking trying to get little nuggets and advice so far that you've reached out to of
1: course i, I immediately texted Derek, clayton and jake mm-hmm. we got a little group message from my short stint as a volunteer coach at unf um so i told them i was like I, you know i'm gonna be picking y'all's brain about a lot of things not just soccer i need help on like uniforms all this stuff so obviously they, they've been great um And really, even the Bulls coaches, like I went I met up with the two Bulls coaches because they they coached me. So they've been helpful too, just on give me little tips here and there about just how the ins and outs of it. And my athletic director happened to be the head coach for the soccer team at Episcopal. So he's uh, he's a perfect he's been my like number one reference. I talk to him all the time every day. So
0: that's it's been good. Got to use your resources, uh, and you know, and as sure as as time develops, you'll you'll develop your own style, your own schemes, your own way of doing things, and, and logistics. Yeah. Uh, what's something that you really want to impart uh, upon the players that you coach uh, when you get the opportunity?
1: Well, I definitely the, some of the things that I learned that like when you're younger, you don't really realize they're important, or they weren't important to you at that time. And at UNF, I remember some of the, the two core values that really stuck with me is like the accountability and the, and the team first mentality. So those are definitely going to be my two core principles for Episcopal. Um, I learned a lot, like in my four years at UNF, I was not always the easiest uh, player to deal with. Derek can tell you some stories about that. (laughs) My first two years are really like the really big ones where I was stubborn and I had to learn. And, and just being team first and having to sacrifice what I think is best for the, for myself and doing what's best, where what the coaches tell me for what's best for the team and the overall goal. That's huge. And then accountability, that, that aspect was like, you're not, you're not in high school anymore. Um, I had to learn how to hold myself accountable and make sure I'm doing all the right things, going to study all things like that. So like, if I can implement the team first and accountability into these high school age kids, I think it can be big just for them moving forward in all aspects of life. And I know that's like kind of the corny thing that all coaches probably say, but for me, I truly believe it's, it, it's, it's a true thing. You can learn a lot of lessons.
0: Yeah. And you'll also have the opportunity to to work with some of them in other aspects, as you were saying, your full-time substitute and also helping out in the athletic department in general, uh, a lot of hats that you'll be wearing uh, at Episcopal. Yeah. Uh, for you, being a part of Jacksonville throughout the entirety of your life in some way, uh, what do you think is the potential for the Jacksonville soccer community?
1: Jacksonville, I've, I've said it before, and, like, when, when the Armada was in town and we had a pro team here, um, and I know the Armada's still here, but, like, when they were in a pro league, what I
0: mean, mm-hmm.
1: like, the city loves soccer, and there's a really great soccer team. Community in Jacksonville, we need a pro team. Like we need a pro team that's in a league. And then you have UNF and JU, you have two colleges, Division One, and then you have a bunch of, you have a great, great club in JFC. Like there's such a good, good Jacksonville community, but I think it would be awesome if we can get the Armada back in a pro league and sustainable where where we're seeing them for years and years and years because it, it, it was like awesome for those what three or four years that they were around to be able to like link pro college high school youth soccer like just the whole like the whole linkage of that was awesome and I think it'd be awesome to uh, get that back
0: mm-hmm. and, and and soccer seems to be one of those sports where that's even more commonplace to have kind of that tree up through youth soccer because youth soccer is such a big thing yeah. And then into high school and club soccer is still a big thing where it is not as big in some other sports. And so the potential is, is definitely there for it. And Jacksonville is a unique city in the sense where it, it is so big, but it's not overwhelming to the point where you're in like a densely metropolitan yeah. area where it is kind of easy to get disconnected. It's also very easy to get connected here. Um, and I'm sure those connections will also help you at Episcopal for sure. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and building the, that network base. Um, anything that you want to share anything that you're looking forward to or want to mention or throw out there before we close out
1: oh man anything well i just want to say thank you uh, for having me on um obviously i know this is the unf channel so (laughs) i've been hopefully said a lot of great things about unf so i'm just hoping that if if people watch this that are on the fence about what school they want to go to especially uh young soccer players that might be trying to pursue a career, I hope that they realize that UNF um, not only is a good school, but the soccer program in general has produced pros, um, not only just professional soccer players, there's a lot of guys that I graduated with that are crushing it in the business world. And I think our soccer, I can only speak for at least the UNF soccer alumni group. We have such a good group of people and we're still all real, and it seems like everyone's doing something good right now, and so um, just trying to trying to keep pumping it up, and hopefully um, this year the UNF soccer can get another uh, trophy because I believe I think this is going to be a good year.
0: Well, thanks so much for coming on, Jay. I've known your name for ever since I've gotten starting to work here at UNF, but I was glad to to finally put uh, official face to a name. So thanks for joining. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me, Brock. I enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on UNFOspreys.com by going to Fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the multimedia tab.